Hey folks, welcome to another not episode of the FFW Podcast in Benton, Kentucky. I'm Jody White, and uh, we'll have a full-length episode for you here, uh, I believe, next week. Um, Kyle and I will get back on the horn and uh, actually get on schedule, but we've been super busy. We've been all over the place. We just haven't been able to connect. Um, That said, it's a busy time of the year. We've got a lot to discuss, so we're certainly going to get back on that when we can. Uh, as for right now, I talked with Buddy Gross today. We broke down a little bit of his career, his FLW Tour win on Pickwick, and uh, should be a good little interview to tide you over until Kyle and I can get back on the horn and start talking fantasy and all that uh, all that good stuff. We've had a million Costa FLW Series events. There's a lot to cover, and we will uh, do our best when we have a chance. So that said, here's Buddy Gross. And now we're joined by Buddy Gross, uh, FLW Tour rookie and winner of the Walmart FLW Tour event on Pickwick Lake in a grand fashion. Uh, Buddy, how's it going? Oh, it's good, man. How you been? I tell you what, I've been uh, been really good, really busy. Um, I'm glad, though, that we're finally getting around to doing this. Um, I guess, first of all, you... Did you... Uh, you won basically wire to wire, even though it got a little hairy on the last day. Um, <laughs> can, can you can you tell me what that last day was like for you? Because you had a big lead going in. It looked like all you had to do was go out and you know catch a limit, catch fifteen pounds. You know, not even you didn't even have to come close to what you'd been doing earlier in the week, and you would just sew it up. And then you caught two I fish did. for four fourteen. So, like, what was that? Just what was that day like? It, it was terrible, to be honest with you. I, I went to my first place, uh, didn't get bit, and I was afraid that could happen at any time. So that wasn't a real shocker. But my second, my backup place, I felt like it was going to be better than my original place. And I got there, no water running, not much wind that day, and I had both, all, you know, all week. And I get up there and don't get a bite, and then I said, "Well, maybe I'm just too early." And, I leave there and start fishing some grass just to try to catch a few keepers, and it was coming very hard. And uh, I was thinking the whole time, I'm, here I am opening the door, I'm going to get bait, I'm going to get bait, and it lasted all day long like that. It was crazy. Man. As far as, like, the whole tournament goes, I think pretty most people have, you know, probably read some or they watch the video of you with the hair jig, and they kind of know, they probably have an idea of how you caught your fish, but... Can you kind of give us a give us the lowdown anyhow on what hap- on what what was working for you in that tournament and what your what happened? Right. Well, I was just fishing them. You're pretty much the mouth of a big spawning flat, and it came out had a couple of creeks that funneled it right out to the river, and all of them wound up going into one creek, and it was right below me or one bit where it dumped into the river. I stayed up on the upper side and stood on the river side of this big long point to come off an island and throwed up on it and. During practice, I'd idled around and found some eelgrass, and the eelgrass was key for me because I felt like the shad spawn was going on everywhere in that whole area we were at. But the shad were really keying in on that harder eelgrass, and they were staying tight to it. And if a piece of, you know, if, if one of those bait fish got away from that eelgrass, 
it just seemed like they were just choking. So that's kind of what I keyed on. I just stowed the hair jig out there and it hit the eelgrass and kind of ripped it through it. When it ripped it through it, it would never make it back to the bottom. It had a fish on it when it was really prime time early in the morning. So after the morning bite went away, then I had to start working harder for them and I'd pick up one or two during the day. But I was only getting six or seven good keeper bites all day long on any of the days. So it was uh, it was not a flurry until the third day. And the third day, which I was telling you about my backup spot, I could roll up there, and every time I'd make this particular cast, I'd catch one, you know, four or better. So I felt like that was going to be the thing that carried me through the end of the tournament. And, and it did the third day, but it didn't carry over to the fourth day. It really changed. Hmm. When you, in practice, what was your, obviously you found some eelgrass in practice, but going into practice, what was your plan? And then how did that get changed when you kind of realized that was a factor? Going into practice, I was expecting to do some wedge fishing, but I know that the grass would play part of it, and I was expecting it to be the high driller. Uh, I went down, and first thing that morning, I put in, and I didn't even get on pad. I just started out right away idling and looking, and and I was looking for a little ditch that was down below where I put in every morning, and I got on that ditch, and I followed it down through there, and I thought I saw a school of fish over to one side, and I idled up on top of the bar, and there it was. It was just pretty as you please, the eelgrass, and I had seen it before at other lakes. Mostly Gunnersville because it's got to be a big thing there. So when I seen it, I knew what it was. I didn't even have to really cast into it. I knew what it was. And then you'd see seven or eight clumps of it and no fish around it to speak of as far as bass. And you'd see some bait fish and some smaller fish. And then all of a sudden, I saw one that had a good school of fish on it. There's boats close. So I didn't even cast on it. So then I just started looking for some more of that. Hmm. What, uh, I mean, the eelgrass, like, being harder... It kind of let you fish that hair jig, where you couldn't have done that with hydrilla. Um, do you do you feel like the hair jig was really super key to getting those bites, or do you think you could have fished other stuff in it? You probably could have fished other stuff, but I tried, and it was not as effective at covering water. I could throw swim bites around it and get bit. I could throw spinner bites around it and get bit, but everything was a slower presentation. I really got to make a lot more cast with the hair jig. That's why I stayed with it. I think I could have caught them on other things, but the hair jig, I could make three casts. I've watched my co-anglers even the first couple of days. They'd throw swim baits, spinner baits, and they'd throw a cast out there, let it sink, and then start slow rolling it back. But I'd already have two casts made before they got one in. So I was just trying to cover a lot more water, especially with a bite being such a fast and furious bite the first hour and a half of the day. I just wanted to get all I could get that hour and a half. So I stayed with it, and it was just a, once you get the feel of something that's catching that kind of quality fish, it's hard to put it down for me. So I just get pulling. Now, like, so day three, you did a lot of idling in the second half of the day because you kind of knew you had, you knew you had enough, or at least you sort of felt like you had enough. Did you just never come upon another, another spot that had fish on it? Like, I, I, I guess the ledge fishing all over was really tough, but what? Why was there not a little bit more of a backup? Because, or just, did you just not find it? Because I'm, that was what amazed me. It was I, all day long I was like, well, buddy, he'll catch five. He'll catch five. He'll catch five. And I, what happened as far as just not being able to put that backup in place? I, you know, there's a couple of things in my mind that happened. I, I got in a hurry 
I started panicking on the last day because I knew all I needed was a limit. And I think I just, yeah, I give up on a couple of places too soon. There's not a doubt in my mind because I never went back out on the river where I told you my backup place was after the current started. Of course, I got off of it, off the river far enough I didn't see the current come on too. And I didn't do good preparing. I didn't look and see what time they were supposed to start generating current. So I wasn't really looking for it. Uh, I just, I made a few mistakes. I can tell you that I never downsized to try to catch my limit at all. I kept doing what had got me there. Uh, since I've come home, I had been practicing a lot of new techniques, too. So I've been offensive limits. So. All righty. Um, as far as your season goes on the whole, it's your first year on tour. You qualified out of the uh, Costa FLW Series last year. Um I, I guess this year you had had you started out with two terrible tournaments, Okeechobee and Hartwell, um, not real pretty, and then Beaver Lake you almost made the cut. I mean you were so close, and then Pickwick you won it. What do you feel like the rest of the season holds in store for you? You know I don't know. I, I think the momentum is going to help me. I had uh, of course after the two terrible finishes you're talking about there it really had me kind of down in the dumps and i just when i went to beaver i just decided to go back to fishing buddy fishing i went back to not listening to what everybody says you're supposed to do i went back to doing what i thought i could catch them doing and it worked and and i just wanted to do the same thing when i went to pickwick and, and i'm hoping it carries over to kentucky i'm looking forward to the kentucky lake coming i've heard nothing but good things out of kentucky lake my you know last five or six years that i've been doing this kind of fishing i've never been to kentucky I got to go for two days before the cutoff. Uh, they were not out yet. Another one of those deals. Uh, I hope they're out when we get there because that's what I'm putting all my practice into. It's going to be out by the time we get back. That's uh... and Oh, go ahead. Sorry. I'm just going to say the Champlain deal. Of course, I've never seen it. I'm really looking forward to it just for, just for a change of scenery and stuff. Else. And I hear they got grass up there. So if there's some grass around, usually I can figure something out. But the grass at Kentucky Lake, what I understand is so far upriver, I've not played into that yet. I'm I'm, I'm gonna wait and say that to last if everything else fails. All right. Now, as far as uh, there being grass around, I want to go back to that Beaver Lake tournament because it seemed to me that obviously Pickwick was perfect and you crushed them. But I mean, Beaver's a tough fishery at the best of times, a lot of times, and. It's a place where a lot of other guys have like years of experience on. What did you end up doing there? That you know what what put what put you on those fish? Because you really cracked them on the first day. Um, I got on a little bit of something in practice. I took and went. Of course, I went up river, and I was wanting to stay in sustained water. I've not fished a whole lot of that really clean water. But when we got there, ironically, it was dirty everywhere, from what I understood. But I went up river, up river and started with a spinnerbait and did a little bit of power level with a spinnerbait and got bit. And I started noticing something. I hadn't seen this before. And again, my, most of my fishing has been on Tennessee River, and I'm not on the banks a whole lot. But I'm going down on the bank, and I start seeing crawdads up on these rocks. And and I'm not talking about one or two. I'm talking about a bunch, and that would be a pretty good-sized crawdad. And they're, they're up on the rocks, and I'm seeing that many crawdads, and I've never done it before, so... 
I'm those swivel heads and put me a Z crowd on it, and I go throw it down the bank, and I'm talking about I get bit, and I'm not talking about a little bit bit. I'm talking about I'm, by, I'm catching 40 fish a day doing the bug thing. So, um, and then I get in a couple pockets upriver, and then one day of practice, I had two fish over six and probably two or three over four. So, I mean, I had an incredible practice day. So, I just... What I did figure out was I had to keep running a lot of new water, but I kind of figured it out too late, or I think I could have made the cut. But if I caught five good fish in a pocket or a creek on the stretch bank, the next day I'd go back and might catch one or two, but I got a bank and never fish before and catch five or six good ones again. But it just, it was another learning experience, but I caught so many fish doing it, I had a lot of confidence in it, so I just stayed with it. And I had a real good morning bite, and it, I don't think it was a shad spawn bite on the spinner bait, but the first couple of days I'd catch a limit, and I'm talking about 15 minutes. But I uh, I just had a good tournament. I was, you know, the Lord blessed us, I want to tell you. I felt good to be there. I enjoyed that lake probably as much as any I've been to. Even though I had a win at Pickwick, I enjoyed the, the Beaver Lake, and that was surprising for me and everybody else, I think. All righty. Now, you have... You've been like a, 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 I would say largely like a, a regional or local fisherman for a long time. Like you seem, yeah. from what I can gather, you've got a very high reputation on Gunnersville and Chickamauga, and you've been fishing like our BFL events for a long time there. But this last year and then this year, you've been branching out and fishing a lot of places that you've been to for the first time. What, what are some challenges that you've encountered on going to places that are totally new? I think my biggest challenge is listening to the doc talk and trying to stay away from it instead of listening to it because a bass is a bass. You go to every lake we go to and it's still the same species and they still like the same stuff. So for the first few tournaments, I've been listening to what I should be doing instead of what I need to be doing. So I'm, I just made it in my mind after the Hartwell tournament that I wasn't going to get caught up in that again and I'm hoping that's the difference. I'm just going fishing buddies style and and hope it works, and so far it is. And I know there's going to be another stumble. I'm just not back my mind. I'm going to miss it completely soon. So I just got to work through it and keep my head up and keep fishing because I know I can catch them and just uh, keep my nerves in check. My nerves got a little part of me on that last day, too, at uh, quick. I was sick as a dog that morning. So I just got to make sure to keep myself in line to do good. All righty. Um as far as sort of how, where do you see your career going from here? Uh, you've got obviously a big win that comes with a lot of money, um, and I don't, I don't know what I don't want want to even guess at what your situation was before. But I know fishing the tour is an expensive task uh, when you're not catching fish, and even when you are catching fish, you've got to have a lot of like to really do well. You've got to have a lot of sponsorship support and whatnot. Do you feel like you're kind of setting yourself up for a long career as a pro fisherman, or do you have other lines in the water too? No, my my goal is to do this for a while. This has been a lifelong dream. I mean, I have I have a passion for fishing, and I don't know where it comes from, but I can tell you that it's great. But I had a lot of friends here in town that fished against me and fished with me for many years. And some of them on my boat, and as an example, would be Eagle Testing and Dabron Technologies. And some of these guys, you know, of course, fish dating. But, but fish dating came on 
as I was getting ready to do this, and and they've been a great help. But the Davron and the Eagle Test, and these are friends. I mean, these are guys that have businesses that not necessarily in the fishing industry, but thought that I could help them just, you know, put their name up there and believed in Buddy. They they put me fishing, and when they did that, I decided to go. And then I'm telling you, without those guys' support, I never would have done it because they were, they believed in me probably more than I believed in me. And once they got me rolling, it it's just been awesome and and this is going to be what i try to do and we were on our last leg of the family i mean as far as being able to keep fishing and my whole family give up everything and i said my entire my wife give up stuff my kids give up stuff my mother give up stuff and, and i didn't want to let them down so i kept digging and, and this is it this is what we're going to do and we're going to ride this ride as long as the lord wants us to ride it so i'm looking forward to it so it sounds like you kind of put it all on the line this year what and a lot of some guys drop out partway through the season and whatnot and definitely having that having finances in the back of your head is well sometimes it's a good thing for the fishermen sometimes not was that weighing on you at all this year so far it it was very very heavy i tried to put it behind me once you know, every time I had to call and make a payment for my entry fee, it was always like, oh, my gosh, here we go. But, you know, the check at Beaver got me over a small hunt, and then, you know, I could pay my entry fee to Pickwick. And then I knew at Pickwick, if I didn't have a check at Pickwick, that I was going to be to the point where I was going to have to have all these people that says, you're going to finish this year, you're going to finish this year. And what they were saying is, is we're going to help you finish this year. But I could have been one of those guys that didn't make it, and it was so close. I'm just so thankful that that it's not now. I can go, I can relax, and I can focus what's on hand. But it was, I'm telling you guys, it was very, very close to me not making it this year. But I so didn't want to be the guy that had to call my sponsors up. So, guys, I've tried everything I can do. I appreciate what you've done, and I'm just not able to finish this year. I didn't want to do that. So I worked extra hard every day in practice to make sure that didn't happen. All right. Um what uh before you started trying this pro fishing thing which it looks like it's working out for you um and it might work you know might keep working out for you uh but before you started that what did you do my background had always been in heavy trucks so i've sold big heavy trucks and i had uh i had my my wife's family on the body shop and they were needing some help so i left the truck business to go work at a body shop and I was general manager in the body shop, and it was a successful, nice, up-and-going body shop. And, and we made it a little better. And uh, both of my in-laws were getting a little bit of age, but also having some health issues. So they decided they wanted to sell out, and I wasn't at the point in my life where I could buy it the way they wanted to buy it. So they sold it to somebody else, which put me to a decision. And, and that decision was to try fishing because I disqualified through the coast, as we talked about. So... I just dove right off into the tour, and and I'm telling you, when I decided to go fish the tour, that was my job before I ever paid my first entry fee. I didn't really have a job, and then uh, my wife started a new job. So, I mean, it was, I'm telling you, it was, uh, we made a lot of life changes in a very short time, and I just, I'm smiling like crazy. I wish you could see me. I'm smiling like crazy because I can't believe how much it's all come together. That's that's awesome. Speaking of the Costas, so you qualified out of the Southeastern Division, which is a wicked tough division. It always draws the biggest fields. It's got probably the, mo- the more tour-level anglers fish that than any other, I would say. 
what a why did you, why did you decide to fish the full season um, last year? Because you know previously you never had. Uh, I like to skate a little bit. I, one of them was coming to Gunnersville. Oh yeah, and I'd always wanted to go fish Florida. I'd never been to Okeechobee the last year. That was my first trip, and I didn't have a terrible tournament there, but I didn't have a great. But I'd always wanted to go see it, and then uh, Seminole I'd never seen, and I wound up doing really good at Seminole. I had some mishaps in my boat at Seminole, which kind of affected me the second day. But you know, I had a, I don't know, I just I had got to where in life where I was back to where I could afford to go for a little bit out of town, so I wanted to try it, and I did. And I tell you, I'm kind of jumping for just a second. I'm gonna tell you something that I learned, and I learned it more this year but these co-anglers you know we fished two days with co-anglers as you know but these co-anglers son you talk about some competitors these guys in the back of this boat are competitors and 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 i drew one out of the beaver i got real education if i wasn't on my game he was going to show me how to do it so i mean that was pretty cool uh, that was that was with brian yeah. new on day two <laughs> yeah brian knows was incredible he, he's he needs to be in the front and he was an awesome co-angler and, and a very respectful guy but yeah i'm talking about you better not miss a spot with that boy in the back of the boat because he's gonna he's gonna show you what you just missed and it it educated me to, know, to let me know how much i really was missing because he didn't catch a lot that day as far as numbers i mean as far as keepers but even just non-keepers that were almost keepers i mean he probably caught 10 behind me i was like man i was just and it could have been a two seven pounders you know it just let me know how how much I was missing and how good those guys are. So that's yeah. just the props out to those guys. Those guys fish very well, and and you don't you don't get to see or hear about that much. And I've been wanting to say that, but those guys are good. A lot of those guys are real good. Yeah, we've definitely got some really good co-anglers on tour, and I mean, new in particular. Like at some point, he's going to be fishing from the front of the boat. He just top ten at a Wheeler at that Coast FLW Series event out of the front and. It'll happen. That. that was awesome. It'll happen one of these years for sure. Um, yep. And some guys, some guys would probably say it should have happened by now. Because, but yeah, he'll he'll do it. Um, and you're right. That fishing with a co-angler is a whole different. It's a whole different thing because it does force a guy to not. You can't ration your fish quite as much. You kind of have to. If you go into a spot, it better be really loaded or else. You're gonna need to, you're gonna need to clean them up before your co-angler gets to them, to some that's, extent. And, and that, that's not a. I mean, it sounds like it's a bad thing, but I mean, you have to. Or you have to do your job. And and then Brian will tell you. Once I got my job where I thought I was in good shape, I started giving stuff up, and that's what I do to all of them. I try to help them as much as I can. I, you know, there's days that I just can't catch them, and they catch them, and that's a. I mean, that's even. That's a tough feeling too. I mean. They got money invested, but we got money invested, but my family's eating off of mine. <laughs> yeah. So I I'd really I have really been educated on the co anger stuff and you know, when I used to fish regionally at home, man, some of those guys were good. I just I never fished as a co anger. I think it would have helped me to have done that though. I think I could have learned a lot more presentations that I'm still do not have any clue about or effective at. And I yeah, that's what I was watching Brian. I mean Brian he done some. He done some stuff I've never seen. I was like, wow. So now your uh, your strengths, you would say you're a grass fisherman, and you're kind of you're good at that offshore stuff and that Tennessee River 
Gunnersville, Chickamauga stuff. Is that pretty much your what you feel like your primary strengths are, or do you think there's other stuff that you're good at? Like, do you, do you, you know, when you get in a situation where you can fish a top water or something, do you say, "Man, I got that on lockdown"? What's your, what are your, what are your strengths? Well, the way I'm, way I grew up fishing, mostly team stuff. Too. I fish more team stuff than I ever have the draw stuff. So, and you fish in a one day tournament, so I give up a lot of top water bites early because. I didn't want to lose my good spots. You know, when you're fishing local all the time and everybody knows the good stuff, we had to bypass that a lot to go to our, our what you call the juice, I guess, to make sure we had it for later when they did start to bite. So I, I'm rounded. I can do a lot of stuff. I'm just more comfortable with a little bit of a power fishing thing. I mean, I'd rather be moving something than dragging something or pulling it through something. But, uh, you know, I'm... I tell you, I picked up that drop shot a lot lately, and I'm talking, I went home to Chickamauga since I've left Pickwick, and I'd go out there and catch 40 fish, by, you know, and, and not long at all on that drop shot. So I've been missing a lot of fish. I'm talking about I throw my swim baits for 45 minutes and not get bit, pick up a drop shot and catch 15 in five minutes. I mean, it's so I'm I'm learning. I'm learning how not to do that again. So, but these, you know, Michael Neal and, and Alex Davis, both those guys fish with me even at home, and and these guys, those guys, those two guys, you know, they 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 taught me a lot. So I'm learning. All I can tell you, I'm not going to close my eyes to nothing. I'm going to learn, try to try to be wide open to, to where I can be more versatile. All right. Speaking of Michael Neal, so you guys roomed together on the road, and Neal was in second yes, place on the final day. What was it like the night before? Like when you guys did you go out and get dinner? Like. You were, I assume, sitting around rigging some tackle. What was, what was the feeling in the room there? Well, the night before it changed a little bit. All the families come into town, so Michael went his way and I went my way, and we didn't see each other much that night. But uh, I'm gonna tell you, I, I wanted to win, and I know he wanted to win. His win's coming. Oh, but for sure. That was the hardest thing for me winning was taking it from him because I knew how bad he wanted it. You know, and not that I didn't want it. Don't get me wrong. I needed it more than I wanted it. But, you know, anytime it's a friend or so, especially as much time as we're spending together on the road and it's just me and him one and two from day one. I mean, it was like that all but the whole week. Um, I just wish, you know, I wish it had been somebody else. Not that he didn't. I, I wanted him to have a second, but I wish he'd have been somewhere where he wasn't in, in distance. But it'll, it'll be reversed. He might have reversed the next one, maybe. So. Yeah, it w- it w- I definitely can see it would have been easier not to not to have your buddy right there trying to take it from you and vice versa. Because, you know, you'd, you'd yeah, rather be awesome. somebody who, well, you've, you've fished around and you know their name, but they're not the guy that, you know, you see every every day during the tournament. That's right. Michael's always been there to support me and help me if I needed anything. And it was just a, it was a different kind of feeling. But I can tell you that he wanted it very badly. We never talked about places. We never seen each other other than when I had to go pick him up during the tournament when he broke down, you know. We didn't, uh, we never seen each other fishing. We never shared any water. So it was kind of cool to do it that way. Because he was doing his a totally different way, so. That just goes to show you that not one pattern is always the best. It can, it could have happened down there. You know, he had a breakdown too. So, 
Yeah, he was know. he was definitely very close, and he's been very close yeah. a couple of times now on Pickwick. What uh, what's it like on the road when you guys are? Do you ever share information, or do you pretty much you you both go your own way? I'm pretty much an open book. I won't. I'll tell him. If, you know, if we're if we're talking, he tells me. But we don't ever try to share spots. We'll we'll share what's going on on the water, but we don't say, "Hey, I'm catching them right here on this kind of on this on this creek point." We won't do that. It, it's just, you know, how how what when where what's going on. See if she has fun. No, she has fun. We we kind of just fill out. But some point in time, we'll wind up seeing each other because we fish too much alike in places. So, uh, but. We don't really ever share spots. We just share what's going on in the lake. And it works. Because that way, if we, didn't, if we wind up on the same spot, we didn't do it intentionally, you know? I hear you. All right. Well, buddy, I tell you what, it's been a pleasure having you on. Um, I uh, I enjoyed it. I'm certainly looking forward to seeing how you do at Kentucky Lake. I, I think you could be poised to do really well again. It seems like the type of fishery that if you can get offshore and find yourself some fish, it could be real good. Um I guess before I let you go, where can people follow you on the internet, uh, whether it's Facebook, Instagram, anything like that? Where, How should people track you down? It's Muddy Gross Fishing on Facebook, and it's Muddy Gross Fishing on Instagram. I'm 99 for sure. I, you might scratch that one, but I have to look. I, and Instagram stuff, I really don't. My wife does Instagram. All right. Have you ever looked at it? Well, I, uh, I'm all about Instagram. That's my, uh, that's my, that's my thing, um, and I will... I'll go check for sure. It is Buddy Gross Fishing. Um, I think it is. And I got to say... I'm sorry, I didn't mean to mess this up right there, but I didn't want to miss that spot for that. No, you're you're good. And I got to say, uh, your wife does a good job on it. You're one of uh, you're one of the better follows on, on Instagram. So I would say uh, keep after it. Oh, we are. I, I send her pictures down a lot I wanted to say, and she's, she's down here on the spot with her. I couldn't do it without her, but it's... This has been a hundred percent family deal for me. I mean, if if it wasn't for her, it, because she has got my back more than anybody I've ever had to have it. So it's it's awesome. But cool. She get you know, with the wind though. So she's she went to work with school system, so they get out of school next week. So she's coming up to Kentucky and she's going to go to Champlain because so it's going to be pretty neat to have her on. Oh, that'll be cool. And you can travel around the country with people you care about. That's fun. It's going to be awesome. And I really appreciate FLW and you and what y'all do. Just for the record, I thank you for everything. All right. Well, buddy, thanks so much for coming on. Um, I'm sorry we couldn't do this sooner. And I'll see you here in a couple weeks in Kentucky. Yes, sir. Thank you.